0: we're starting a brand new series, and uh, it's from the book of Ephesians, so if you have your Bible with you or have it on a device and you want to turn there, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're calling our series, Leaving Normal Behind. So the title today is, Live Your Life to the Praise of God's Glory. So I want you to turn in Ephesians and uh, then have that ready. I think a lot of people have already grown weary of hearing about the new normal. I think a lot is new and hardly anything is normal. And uh, most years, you know, if you look back at your life, most years, things just kind of flow along pretty normal for a good while. And then along some comes some a life-changing event that concludes that normal and starts a new chapter, a new normal, you know, graduating from high school, going off to college, falling in love, getting engaged, getting married, starting to live as a, as a couple, having a baby, getting a new job, moving into a new house, Sending your kids to school for the first day, career promotions, finally getting the kids out of the house and having empty nest. Cindy and I enjoyed 15 minutes of that. (laughs) Grandkids, retirement. Now, most of these normal life events that are transitions are expected. In fact, Pastor Ron was talking about one in his family. He can give you more of the details. Was it your parents or grandparents? That a land owner's daughter fell in love, huh? My, my parents. Your, her, his parents. And the landowner's daughter fell in love with the land worker's son and the parents didn't want them to have anything to do with each other. So one night they went off on a date and then they decided, hey, let's get married. So they got married and then they came home from that and he went to his house and she went to her house. And uh, that went on for about three days. And finally they said, you know, <clears throat> they're not going to like it, but we should tell people. They had been pretending, you know, when you're single, you think like an I. When you get married, you're supposed to be changed and think like a we, all right? But they, the problem was they had married, so they'd made the promises, but they were still trying to look like an I. And they finally said, we got to tell people. So they did, and of course, it all hit the fan. And then 62 years later, they were still married. So I guess it worked out. But uh, then there's, besides just the normal transitions that take you to a new normal, some people have experienced unexpected life-changing events like a major accident or like a car crash or falling down and breaking something or illness or disease that changes your life forever or Alzheimer's or a loss of memory. Nobody sees these things coming. And, you know, between all of those, the expected transitions and the unexpected transitions those average out over your life about every four years. So at any particular time, there's at least a quarter of us here in the room that are in crisis uh, or in transition uh, all the time. And then you add in group experiences. I mean, we've had a series of new normals here at South Shores that the rest of Orange County hasn't experienced if you've been around here. I mean, in 2017, in February, we moved our whole church from this location to San Juan, and we began construction here in Dana Point. And virtually everyone was scrambling, where is this new place? You know, where do I park? Where do I sit? Will they have coffee and donuts on Sunday? Where's my Sunday school class going to meet? How will I find my way around? And do you remember how gracious the San Juan people were to just take us by the hand, walk us through the hallways, show us where the gym was, and uh, help us find our coffee and donuts, help us find our way around? They were very gracious hosts and hostesses. So from February 2017 until, well, we didn't know when, we were waiting for construction to be done. How soon will it be finished? I can hardly wait. Why is there so many days of rain? Why are there two days of mud after every day of rain? Um, why are there other delays? And our three years in San Juan, at least for me, will be remembered as a time of fruitful ministry and unexplained unity and joy in our church fellowship. It was a special time. And uh, we were blessed. God blessed us when we were in San Juan. And by the way, God's still here and he's still blessing us today. So in January on the 12th, we had our big move-in day. Yay, we moved in here. Every parking place was filled. We had a shuttle get bringing people from, from other locations. And what a thrill. I mean, it was a new normal. It was a happy day. We celebrated Jesus. We sang. We laughed. We ate ice cream in church. We prayed. There were tears of joy. Do you remember who was here that day? Come on. I'm, I want not all. Yeah. High expectations. February 9th, we even had an official, the big celebration day. Yay. We're getting the hang of this. The place is new, and it's nice and we're having fun and then along came this big rogue wave called COVID-19 worldwide pandemic and uh, March 12 we moved out of the campus and um, started to have new vocabulary like church online or zoom or give by the app or masks or social distancing or shortages or pandemic or fear or hand washing all those entered our vocabulary and our lives presumably forever. Well, we had entered the forest of no return. I mean, we had jumped off the cliff, so to speak. It it was one of those defining moments where suddenly you have left behind everything that's familiar, everything that you have known that's familiar and ordinary, and there's no going back. It's kind of like these guys that visited Yosemite. Now, you can't see the picture, but there's four of these guys. with with, uh, They're jumping off of Glacier Point down into the valley, okay? And they're just kind of flying. They've left everything behind. They're in a committed position. (laughs) You can't say, wait a minute, I forgot my in the car, (laughs) right? They've left everything behind and all they need to do right now, they need to forget about what was behind them and focus on the present. They need to enjoy the ride and the view and land well, right? On a much grander scale, the same kind of thing happened on D-Day, 13,100 paratroopers on June 6, 1944, were part of the effort by the Americans, the British, and the Canadian forces. 156,000 soldiers that day landed on five beaches along a 50-mile stretch of the coast of France to combat Germany in its quest for world domination. So there's a picture of all these parachuters, thousands of them coming down at the same time. Each person there had left everything normal behind to pursue a more lofty goal to bring peace to the world. And they're in a committed position too. And there's no going back, even if they wanted to. Now, the apostle Paul had the same kind of life-altering experience himself. Look where Paul ended up After God did a work in his heart and in his life. Look at me with Ephesians chapter 1 now. He said, Paul, an apostle. This is a love letter, by the way, that he wrote to the church in Ephesus and maybe to some other churches. They'd pass it around. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I want you to notice as we head into these verses, Pastor Micah already read some of them, but... The Apostle Paul gets pretty excited. He has run-on sentences. He doesn't take a breath. Okay, and you can tell he's just going fast. Look what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth now you think the guy who wrote this either just won the lottery or he just fell in love for the first time, or he won a trip to the vacation destination of his dreams, or that he just learned that he was named in the will of his rich uncle, or they got a clean bill of health from the doctor. But none of those were true for Paul. Paul's normal, if you looked at his life, had been that he was born in a city named Tarsus, north of Jerusalem, during the time of Jesus' life. He was a child prodigy, a child scholar. He was top of his class. He was valedictorian in preschool. He was valedictorian in kindergarten he was valedictorian in elementary school and in junior high and in high school and in college i mean every time he was the youngest expert in jewish law he was the go-to get-it-done enforcer of the law keeper of the status quo paul and his colleagues saw jesus and the followers of jesus as a major threat to their power and status quo so paul actively worked to harass and punish people who followed the jesus way and then in a flash god turned his world upside down And eventually brought him to a new normal. The story is found in Acts chapter 9. And here's what it says. But Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus who you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what you're to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. So Paul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. (laughs) So actually before Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesian church he had been blinded by the light, knocked to the ground, totally knocked off his game by hearing God's voice. His life was never the same again. He was humbled. He left normal behind. He had heard God's voice, and he knew he could not return to his old life, his old pursuits and pleasures. His new normal became traveling from town to city to village to hamlet and talking to people and talking to them about Jesus. And engaging them in conversation and telling them about jesus power as god and how he died for human sin and he could save you and get you ready to meet god face to face if you only ask him and people who responded to that message became fully devoted followers of christ and the ones who opposed him gradually in that town would get more and more boisterous and and harassing uh uh, paul and he even wrote about some of this uh, torture that he suffered during his life he wrote this to the church in corinth it's in second corinthians 11 he says five times i received at the hands of the jews 40 lashes minus one three times i was beaten with rods once i was stoned three times and left for dead three times i was shipwrecked a night and a day i was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers danger from robbers danger from my own people danger from the gentiles danger in the city danger in the wilderness danger at sea danger from false brothers in toil and hardship and through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst often without food in cold and exposure and apart from other things there is the daily pressure on me the anxiety for all the churches So Paul would gather together people in a fledgling new little church. And then when he got run out of town, when the opposition got too loud or too strong or the abuse became too great, he would run away and he would go to the next city and start over. And he would leave behind him this little group of struggling believers to be the church of Jesus Christ in their community. So Ephesians is one of the letters Paul wrote to one of his churches to encourage them in Christ. He probably wrote this when he was imprisoned in Rome awaiting trial. So I wanna look at the first few verses of Ephesians together and to draw out of it three steps that we need to take in the process of embracing your life in Christ. These steps do not take us back to the old normal these steps move us closer to christ they grow us up in spiritual maturity it is possible to get old and not become spiritually mature you have to choose to to grow spiritually you have to choose to move towards maturity and to say how do i begin to think more like jesus christ so step number one because this is putting us on the same path with paul same path with jesus step number one let go of the past or expecting it to return. In Philippians three, Paul wrote to the church in Philippi and he said, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us after paul was blinded by the light and reprimanded by god's voice he had plenty of think time to review his life he had three days where he was blind and then god did a miracle but during that time i'm sure he had lots of regrets good people had died because of him families had been torn apart innocent people had suffered paul even himself called himself i'm the worst of sinners but god called him god forgave him god gave him a job to do god used his life powerfully nobody besides jesus and the holy spirit has done more positive influence on the church of jesus christ in this world than paul himself not even billy graham Paul had to let go of the past and never return to it. He had to lean into the future even if where God was taking him was shrouded in the unknown. He is a great example for us to follow. Let's go. Press on. Martin Luther King said it this way. I may not be the man I want to be. I may not be the man I ought to be. I may not be the man I could be. I may not be the man I truly can be. But praise God. I'm not the man I once was. So you got to let go and press on. The past wasn't as rosy as you remember it. It's not coming back. Keep your eyes on Jesus and live in his joy. The second thing we need to do is to take stock of what you have and the task you're called to do to take stock of what you have and the task you're called to do. Look at verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed us with Christ in every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. See, what he's saying is God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has blessed you over and over. Every spiritual blessing coming to you right from heaven. In verse 4, you see that God chose you way back when, before he even created the world. God chose you by name. He says, God chose you to live a holy and a blameless life, and he's watching. In verse 5, he says, he predestined you for adoption as sons and daughters. God adopted you into his family. You are his son. You are his daughter. You wouldn't be alive and stand a chance in eternity if God didn't adopt you. Do you know, we've been blessed over and over by the Shaw family. And they have two of the most beautiful little children, one a son and a daughter. They both came in this morning. They're both telling me everything about what's been happening this week. They're talking at the same time. Finally, I looked at them and said, who listens at home? You know, <laughs> and we, we laughed together. But look, I have a little clip from their family. Our reason for adoption is twofold. We wanted a family, we wanted to be parents, and adoption was one of the ways that we were able to do that. Um, we also know that we live in a broken world, um, full of broken circumstances, and so, there are kids who need families, and we don't think there's a better place for those kids than in a family who knows and loves the Lord and can raise them in Christ to hopefully bring that faith throughout generations. And our children are just our children. Those, there's no asterisk over their name of our adopted kids. They are just, they are us, and, and we love them, we would lay down our lives for them. Um, they were adopted, but now they're just our children. I couldn't love them any more than I do, and we feel like we're the lucky ones. All right, they're right here. you know god is, feels the same way about you that's my son that's my daughter i love them even when they mess up even when they get themselves messed up i love them they are mine it's true love he has adopted us into his family and our job is to live to the praise of god's glory and we do our very best and that way god gets the praise god gets the recognition and the glory in him verse 7 we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses or our sins or our our debts, according to the riches of his grace. You have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are to never forget that. That's why, in fact, in a few moments, Pastor Ron's going to lead us in communion. It's just a little pause to remember so that we remember we were redeemed through the blood of Christ. We've been been forgiven for all of our sins by his rich grace, which he lavished on us. In other words, he put it on thick, God has made known to us the mystery of his will, which has been a mystery. What is God up to? What is God wanting to accomplish? Look at verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. God's plan is the unity in Jesus Christ with him as the one we celebrate. So let's take stock in my life, in your life, in Paul's life, in the D-Day paratroopers, life. They have all been filled with lots of change and loss and sacrifices and challenges and obstacles and fears and confusing pressures and conflicting agendas and danger and real enemies and fog and friction. We could spend all our time nursing our old traumas, our old wounds, our old what-ifs or our if-onlys. We could spend our time crippled in fear. Bad things have happened before, they could happen again and probably will. Or we could be like Paul, sitting in prison, thinking about Jesus, thinking about those he loves, thinking about how do I help them even from here? I mean, for Paul said, forget what lies behind. That's the old normal. Reevaluate the present tense. Focus on what God has given you to do now. And just like Paul did, tell people about Jesus. Include him in your conversations this week. Praise God because he's great. Grow healthy cross-cultural relationships. Grow healthy churches. Serve other people in the name of Jesus. Encourage others. Be a blessing. Anticipate the future. So take stock of what you have and the task you've been given to do. And then number three is anticipate the future and get ready for it now. Look at verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time, that's, in other words, later, he's going to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. At the right time, God is going to bring us all together. In him, we've obtained an inheritance. It's waiting for you. Pastor Eric talked about it last week, way back when God chose you, and he's got a tremendous inheritance in Christ for you and for me to enjoy for all eternity. And then verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. You are created, you are gifted, you are alive to live to the praise of God's glory. That's our job. We have a guaranteed inheritance It tells us in verse 13, look at, in him also you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. When you invited Christ to forgive your sin, God's Holy Spirit came to live in your heart. That's proof that you've got the inheritance that's uh, coming your way in heaven. He's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. To the praise of his glory. That phrase is in here more than once. It's going to be on the big final exam. To the praise of his glory. You and I are to live our lives to the praise of God's glory. There is no greater use of your life than to give up all praise and the glory. Give up your life in such a way and live it that all the praise and glory comes to God. Now, Paul was doing that from a house arrest in Rome. Now, we know a little bit about house arrest ourselves, don't we? It's not as fun as it sounds. Oh, you know, it's just house arrest. Yeah, that meant he didn't get to go out <laughs> or to see anybody. He had been told by God he was going to go to Rome. He's going to be able to preach to Caesar. And he's thinking he's going there, I think, to fill the Colosseum uh, with, with people and preach to them and have them come forward and sing, Just As I Am. I'm sure that was his plan. And instead, he finds himself in house arrest Writing letters to his friends in the churches that he started just to encourage them. That became our New Testament. That's what's given him the impact all through the centuries. It wasn't his idea. He was just leaving his old normal behind and following Jesus. And you and I need to do the same. Let it go. Be fully present in the present. God is still on his throne. He has a job for us to do. And we can choose to live today in the chaos and in the joy of the Lord at the same time. The starting point is to be sure you're right with Jesus. Have you asked Jesus to forgive your sin? Have you asked Him to become your Savior and Lord? It cost Jesus something, you know, His life, so that you could be forgiven. Live your life to the praise of God's glory, shall we pray. Dear God, I pray that we will apply this to ourselves even now. Thank you that we can take a moment to share in communion and to remember Jesus who sacrificed his body, whose blood was shed on the cross so that our sin would be forgiven and we would be called God's children, adopted into his family, gifted and blessed now and forever. God, may our gratitude grow. May our hearts be filled with your joy even as we're looking for the new normal. Thank you that we can leave it behind and follow you. Amen.